Before we begin today's episode, I'd like to take a moment to do two things. First, I want to say thank you to all of you who support the Biblical Counseling Coalition. We're a nonprofit organization, and we rely on the donations of individuals and organizations like you to do the ministry that God has called us to do. I'd also like to invite those of you who've been blessed by the ministry of the Biblical Counseling Coalition to prayerfully consider joining us by supporting the BCC financially. As we come to the end of the year, I'd like you to consider giving a year-end gift to help the Biblical Counseling Coalition make up the needs that we have for this budget year. But I'd also like you to prayerfully consider becoming a coalition builder. That's a partner who gives on a monthly basis to support the ministry of the Biblical Counseling Coalition in an ongoing way. We thank you so much for your involvement with us, and we appreciate everyone who encourages us, prays for us, and gives to us financially. Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, where we draw from the words of Romans 15:14 to encourage all Christians that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and director of the Biblical Counseling Coalition, Curtis Solomon. Welcome back to 1514. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I hope you enjoy listening or watching online, and I pray that you share this with other people and get the word out about 1514 and the the ministry of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. Today, I have a special guest with me, Dr. Ed Welch, who many of you know through his writings and also his ministry with the Christian Counseling Education Foundation. He has a PhD in neuropsychology as well as a Master of Divinity and has written numerous books, including When People Are Big and God is Small, Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave, Blame It on the Brain, Depression, Shame Interrupted, uh, and today's book that is going to be the topic of our conversation, A Small Book About a Big Problem. So, Dr. Welch, thanks so much for being with us today. Curtis, thanks so much for all your work. I'm not a person who browses the internet very much, but uh, I get these little reminders of something happening in the BCC almost every week, and, and they're always tantalizing. So, thanks so much for all you've been doing. Oh, it's a it's a blessing and a pleasure, and thanks so much for all all you have been doing for years and and continue to do. So, uh, for those who might not know you, could you give us a brief introduction to your family? Uh, let's see. My name is Ed Welch. My family consists of a wife of thirty seven years, two children who were in their their early almost mid thirties, two sons in law who were really delights and and four grandchildren apiece from each daughter. So we have eight grandchildren. Uh, so it's, it's, it, it, it's interesting. I, it, it has gotten me thinking about pastoral ministry differently because I feel like I can't pastor that, that little tiny brood. It's, it would be, and everybody's doing fine. So it, but it's a full-time job to pastor them meaningfully. So how can any pastor actually be a pastor of 50 people or 100 people or 500 people? So it's it's given me an appreciation for the pastoral burden of a local church. Yeah, that's a really great, uh, really great thing, and maybe that's a different topic that we could address all together. Uh, actually, I think you and Alistair Groves talked a little bit about that in a recent podcast you did with CCF. So I encourage people to to check that out and listen to that. So so tell us a little bit about what what all your role at CCF entails. Let's see. You're asking me to try to make my day-to-day life interesting, and I think it's very interesting, but in the telling of it, it's not. I am a counselor and faculty person, and and over the years, I've been at CCF since 1981, and over the years, they have gradually 
relieve me of more and more administrative responsibilities, which I've, I've really appreciated. I used to do quite a bit. And so my days are counseling and, and preparing to teach, um, trying to do research for writing projects and, and teaching and the myriad of meetings with, with wonderful colleagues here. So it doesn't sound very exciting and telling, but it's, it's great. Every day I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing things that I love to, to get into Scripture and for Scripture to be, to be applied in my own life, to see more and more the depths of Scripture, to have people who are willing to allow me to be involved in their life and, and walk with them and speak into their lives. It's what, what more could somebody ask for? Oh, that's great. And it is, uh, might not sound exciting when you describe it, but anybody who's done any counseling, if you're, if you know what goes on, it's a very exciting, <laughs> it's a very exciting time. A very exciting. I, yeah. I, I, I teach and I counsel and I, I write, and I would say of those three, what is most natural to me. And I think probably wasn't what I'm most enthusiastic about would be counseling. No, praise the Lord. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. And uh, it also comes out in your writing. And today I wanted to ask you about, talk to you about your new book, a small book about a big problem. Uh, The title doesn't necessarily give away what it's about, but could you give us a a summary thesis of of the book? It's about anger. The uh, summary thesis would be, uh, let's see, um, anger is lethal and angry people are clueless. They're blind to the nature of their own anger and the destructive impact of their own anger. That would be, that would be the short version of it. Where, where anger of, of all human problems is unique in that if you feel guilty, if you feel shame, if you feel fear, you know it. <laughs> you can identify it. But if you're angry and you, you don't know it, the, the angrier you are, the more right you're persuaded you are, not the more wrong you're persuaded you are. Mm. So anger by, by its very nature is, is self-blinding. So that's, I think that's my, my fundamental concern that, that I bring to the problem. No, it's really helpful because through the book, it, it, you really are trying to help open the eyes of people who wrestle with anger and even, even people who might not consider themselves to be angry people, um, this would be a great book for them to pick up and, and read. Because uh, as you mentioned kind of early on in the book, uh, to be human is to wrestle with anger. Could you talk about that a little bit more and, and maybe who is the target audience of the book? The, going back to what you're saying, the, I, I don't think I, pers- I wouldn't be identified as a person who's, who has anger as a besetting sin. I can remember one time, I, I, I was, one time there was somebody at our house for a meal, and it was a bit of a cheeky question. They they asked my daughters, "Does your does your father ever get angry?" And I can't remember who the people were, but I can remember being surprised that they asked my my daughters, who were relatively young at the time. Uh, but I, I was interested in what they were going to have to say, and, and they both chuckled and thinking, "This is great! I get to tell bad stories about my father." And, <laughs> And they, they, both, they both had one story, but they had to go back a few years for that particular story. And it, it really, there was nothing violent about it. There was just, it was more frustration they saw within me. So, so anger is not my besetting sin, but one of the, certainly one of the pleasures of writing a book about any human problem is that, is that it puts it under the microscope. And, 
And for me, since I, I don't tend to be loud and yelling and throwing things, it, it, was, it was very helpful for me to see how, how in a normal day, I would say I've never struggled with anger, a normal day. But, but once I'm alert to it, Lord, show me my heart, allow me to see more clearly. All of a sudden, I see it comes out in all kinds of different ways. So, so there are some problems that are universal, that every human being, no matter what era in history you live, every human being would acknowledge that, that they're familiar with anger from the last 24 hours of their life. And, and as a result, Scripture speaks to it over and over in so many different ways. It's, it's, it's identified almost immediately in the biblical narrative with Cain and Abel. Uh, the the murderous nature of jealous anger, and then it just picks up momentum from there. Now you uh, uh, mentioned this at, at a development dessert at the CCF conference, but you know, one of your it's good to see you there. Yeah, yeah, it was it was good to good to be there and good to be a part of that. Um, one of your colleagues, another person who isn't most people wouldn't identify as an angry person. Dr. Pallison uh, also wrote a book last year on anger. So the, I guess the, the question that people might raise on when they see that is why, why write another book on anger? What could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I'll, I'll say my, my first thought is something I said when, when, when we were together it is it, it, we, there's only two books on anger coming out of CCF right now because we haven't had time to do 10 of them yet. Hmm. It's it's something that it's it's worth it's worth it's worth a multiple good books every single year. It is it is, it is a dominating problem in, in human lives and in the church and in the world, and we all do it, and we've all been victimized by it. Hmm. the The differences uh, differences is, is 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 Dave is is a bit more balanced. I, I think it, it's good anger, bad anger. It, it, it shows sort of the yin and yang of anger, I think even on the cover. And, and I couldn't care less about good anger. Uh, I, I, um, it happens so infrequently that, that I, I don't really, I, I do eventually speak about good anger mm -hmm. at the very back of the book. But, but my experience in speaking with people is any loophole they, they have to see their anger as, as justified is, is they're going to run through that loophole. And so my interest through a lot of the book is, 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 is really saying that we have no tolerance for anger because anger, if we're going to round off the percentages, anger is always sinful. So, 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 so mine will have a little bit more of, of, of uh, the less balanced flavor. And Dave, of course, is, is always wonderfully balanced in what he has to say. Yeah. And I thought it was a great testimony too to the the nature of CCF and the the benefits that come from you guys all working together. I mean, you had a conference last year on emotion and then two books coming out on emotion. And it shows how your iron sharpening iron relationships are really helping develop uh all of you, the all the faculty as a team. And as you said, we could have 10 books a year on this topic and never exhaust uh, the intricacies of, of anger. Uh, the by, the, by the way, you're right. That one of the benefit of working with colleagues is that, that every book we write, it, it could have everybody else's name on it. Hmm. But we, the person who does all the writing, they're the ones whose, whose name goes on. Yeah, well, we'll look forward to some more books on, on anger and continuing resources coming from CCF. Um, 
you mentioned the the format of the book in the title and it's it's it is unique in even its size could you talk about the structure and layout of the book and why you went with it that way uh the, the basic question is how can i reach angry people uh that's that that's what burning that's what's burning uh and i'm thinking angry people are not they're, they're not interested in reading that much most people aren't interested in reading that much so so I, I want it to be as as short as possible to be meaningful uh, and, and accessible and, and and also inviting. It might be hard hitting at times, but I wanted to I wanted to just entice. Huh, this, yeah, there's something here. It's it's worth considering. So I, I, I want it to be available to people. So so in, in real short seconds, I, I think that it will be more possible to make it available. The other is, I, I guess I was thinking the, you know, the, the metaphor in James bit where the nature of anger is you look in the mirror and, and maybe you see it at the moment, but the moment, as soon as you turn away from the mirror, you're blind to it and, and you, you rationalize it and you justify it. So I was looking for some vehicle to keep it in front of a person for a longer period of time. So yeah, if you're a reader and you haven't had a chance to or see the book or pick up the book, uh, it's it's small, but it, and it's also written basically in fifty chapters, fifty short days, and one. It's intended to be read one per day. Um, what was the intention of going for fifty days? In the you mentioned the small snippets, so people will actually pick it up and do it. Um, what are some of the other benefits of reading it that in that way? <sighs> You tell me. Um, uh, uh, what are other benefits? I I want people to think about this <laughs> rather than to ignore it. I I want them to 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 see it more clearly in themselves. I want it. I want it to be an occasion where they can actually have conversations with others. So, you know, so it's one thing to. To, to read it and to think about it. It's another thing to actually to, to take those thoughts and speak about them to other people. I want to do everything I can to try to, to mobilize a person's heart to, to grapple with those things. But anyway, let me throw it back to you. What were you thinking? What, are, are, are there any other advantages that, uh, that you're thinking about? Well, I was thinking the, the benefit of being steeped in something for a long period of time is, is really valuable. And like you said, while they're short, I mean, I think the longest one is probably four pages. Um, they're tightly packed and you give some good, not, not, it's not a list of questions at the end, but maybe a, a, a one question. question, one question to really prick the conscience and the thought of the people there. And I think if you really mold on that throughout the day, rather than just, um, plunging through, cause you could read the book in the, in an afternoon if you sat down and just went through it. I think that that day in day out for almost two months would really. I'm trying, I'm trying to create in in some ways to capture the wisdom genre where the wisdom genre it's you know you look at the proverbs in particular it, it's trying to create opportunity you don't read through it, you don't race through it it's trying to create opportunities for meditation mm-hmm. and that's that that's what I'm hoping for that it's not simply here's information not interesting okay I should do something about that. But it's 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 trying to be immersed in something that that leads to to more profound meditation on things that are important. 
Uh, well, I think it achieves, achieves that very, very well. So, um, so in, in early on in day three, you identify, um, anger's opposite as wisdom. And then on page 46, you also talk about humility is the opposite of anger. So how do, how do those two concepts relate to one another in their kind of being opposite of anger? Uh, I'll respond to that in a couple of ways. One is you're, you're identifying things in my writing that potentially can be confusing uh, where I, I, I think long, long time ago, I read Mortimer Adler, how to read a book and, and I think he was the one who suggested if you understand something, you have multiple words for it. You, 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 the, your understanding of it doesn't just simply reside in one word. So as a result, I do find I think I find myself if there are other words available, I'll take advantage of them. But but what you're identifying there is are, are synonyms: wisdom and humility. Wisdom is a slightly richer category, but humility is the way into wisdom. The Humility is really very much the heart of wisdom, the fear of the Lord, the listen, listen. We don't, we don't know everything in ourselves, and we can be blind in ourselves. Listen, hear, uh, hear and be moved by the things that, that other people have to say. So, so I appreciate you, you picking that up. They're, those two words are, are intimately tied in my own mind. Yeah, I thought the I, I saw the the connection between those two words and and uh, I th- it, but it struck me kind of interesting because a lot of times in biblical counseling people do latch on to the the put off and put on so we're trying to identify the the opposite thinking or behavior that we want somebody to replace uh, with the negative one but most people I think would point you know say anger. Well, it's, it's love or it's kindness or it's gentleness, something along those lines. And it's all really intrigued. I mean, yeah, in a sense it is, but it was, I was really intrigued by that, that dual humility mm-hmm. wisdom, which, which I think is a deeper base opposite to those. Mm-hmm. Do you have any other reflection on that? Nope. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, but uh, that's enough for now. <laughs> no, I thought it was, I, I was really, they, they both stood out to me. So I thought it was really interesting. Um, you also identify covert, cold, and hot anger. And I think a lot of people might be able to relate to, to some level of difference in anger. Could you explain those out a little bit more? Yeah, I'm not beholden to those particular categories. Really what I'm trying to do in that is I'm, I'm trying to say, since we are blind to our anger, let's 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 be a little bit more careful in looking for it so so yes throwing something screaming yelling then then there it is that's more the hot the overt version but but let's assume that 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 it has all kinds of different presentations the i think one of the most embarrassing things in my own life is is that is that my own anger that comes out at times in my relationship with my wife is a turning away is a silence. Hmm. And, and it is, it, it is so, it is so despicable. It is so ugly. It is, it is almost, it, it, it's in, in some ways it, putting up your dukes, let's fight this thing through. There's something, there's something more worthy in that, but, but to turn away that kind of rejection is, is it's really loathsome and it's so common. Um, it's, it's essentially me saying to my wife, okay, I'm going to go silent. And, 
And, and you have to figure out what it is that you've done wrong. And, and, and once you finally figure it out, then I'll re-engage in the relationship. It is, it is just so loathsome. And the Lord has been doing things in me with that. So that's what I mean by cold anger, covert anger, the, the sarcasms, the, the, oh, I'm just kidding. Um, the, the gossip, the, the subtle ways that we can put down other people. Um, really, really, it's, it's, it's less, let's, this is a pernicious evil that exists in our hearts. And let's leave no stone unturned. Let's, let's, let's examine all the different features of it. Uh, the jealousies, again, would be another, jealousy can be hot anger, but jealousy, it's, well, I really like what they had. It's, it's, it is in that anger spectrum. I want, they don't deserve, I do deserve it. So it's an attempt to try to say it's all over the place. Let's try to find it. Yeah, I've I've always thought um, that anger has an element of of destructiveness to it. That it almost like when Jesus says, "If you hate your brother, you've murdered him in your heart." Almost this desire that whatever it is that you're angry with, you wish it just didn't exist. And you might we might not always act on that, but the you know ultimate extreme of murder or destruction. Do you think there's a the there's truth to that or am I completely off base? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's this pernicious, destructive evil. And, 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 and I would suggest that the turning away is, 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 a, is, is a true violence to God's, to God's, it's, it's the antichrist in action. God's intent being to draw people together and the violence of, 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 of separating you know, people who were intended to be one. So I think destruction and violence works for all kinds of anger. It's, Mm -hmm. it's just not necessarily yelling and screaming. Yeah, no, that's definitely, definitely true. Um, I I don't want to tell everybody every little thing about the book. There's a lot of great things in there, but I wanted to pick a few things out to talk about them. Um, on, on page 88, you mentioned, and you kind of addressed this a little bit in your emphasis of the book, but nothing good comes from anger. Um, do you think that needs any clarification, uh, especially in no, light of... No, <laughs> no clarification whatsoever. Absolutely not. And, 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 we, and we can get to that. Was Jesus righteously angry? Mm-hmm. Um, he was. He absolutely was. But, but his version of anger is so contrary to our own that it deserves almost a different word. You know, so the most we can do is say Jesus's anger was a holy anger. And, and yeah, you know, I look at my own life. Has there been holy anger in my life? I can probably, if I really stick my mind to it, I can probably think of three times in my life when there was some sort of righteous anger. Mm-hmm. Well, I, um, it's, it's not important for me to highlight those particular things. Again, my, my interest is no loopholes. Yeah. No loopholes. There is, there is zero tolerance for our own anger. The, the finer points of it, I, I, I do mention that a little bit later in the book, mm-hmm. but those are the finer points are not the things we have to master. It's, it's closing the loopholes where we can sort of wiggle through them and find some sort of, of, of validation for our anger. That's, that's the danger that I'm after. No, that's uh, Yeah, that's really good. Cause I think even the, those moments of what we might call righteous anger, where our, our prime motive is, is, something honoring to the Lord. 
uh, because of the sinfulness of our heart, it always seems to get at least a flavor, a hint of, of our own sinful, sinful anger in there. And like you said, the percentages wise, uh, far outweigh, um, in the favor of unholy, unrighteous anger. Uh, you, you mentioned a couple different times you use this analogy between sexual sin and anger. I think you, you specifically said adultery is one of the greatest, uh, assaults on the relationship and anger is adultery against God. What, what's the connection or could you flesh that out a little bit for us? I, I don't know. The James four passage certainly makes the connection uh, with, with, with anger being this adulterous assault against, a, uh, against God himself and, 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 and then derivatively against other people. So, so James four, it's blatant. I, I suspect that, that it's the Apostle Paul who put me onto that, where what in Romans and Galatians and Colossians, when he when he does these sin lists, when we when we consider those sin lists and try to to see how they clump together, they they inevitably clump together with sexual sins and in anger, divisive sins, with idolatry being a kind of bridge between the two of them. And, and what's, what, what, what is, what's obvious, what we all know, is what, what, what brings them together is this I want of the human heart. And mm-hmm. it can move to licentiousness, it can move to anger. I, I, I think the, the, the reason I enjoy it is, is along with that, is, is that Paul is saying that, that, that these, these two categories of sin should have a certain prime, should, should, they should have a certain priority in in the, our, our own care for our own souls and our alertness to to matters in the body of Christ. And and, and for example, I I I hear of 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 churches in our church being concerned about sexual sin and pornography consistently. And I am so grateful that we live in an era where where where, where those matters are are in play and, and we are speaking about them publicly. So I, it's just wonderful. But anger is not, is not in play in the same way where I can hear discussions about pornography and confessions of pornography. Uh, and I could hear a hundred of those conversations for every one conversation I hear about anger in the apostle Paul, he seems to be suggesting these are, 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 are two matters that, that we then we need to keep both of them in view. No, that's really good. I think the 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 fundamental reality of sin is that it separates people. Sin separates us from God, and sin separate uh, people from one another. They break relationships, and both sexual sin and anger are two maybe some of the biggest wedges that will drive the furthest distance between people. Um, in, in sexual sin, we all know that. Anger, we, we, we don't identify it with the same vigor. Yeah, no, it's unfortunate. I've actually had a couple counselees post-adultery um, who actually said their, their greater concern, their biggest issue, they could overlook the, the sexual sin, but the anger that their spouse directed towards them was more difficult to, to get over. Um, so when you, you pointed that out, I thought, wow, yeah, it really does ring true from that experience. Um, <clears throat> 
and, and towards the end, day 42, you discuss God's behind the scenes anger. And you, you talk about God pouring out his wrath and his anger on Christ. Uh, a lot of people get uncomfortable with that idea of seeing God as this wrathful God. Uh, how would you address somebody's concerns if they, they approach you with that question? Mm. Nobody has, but you know, what am I thinking? I'm thinking cup of God's wrath that is, it is one of the themes that goes throughout the scripture. I'm thinking about that. And, and the Lord is, is talking about the nations drink this cup of wrath and, and, and they don't really drink it to the dregs, but, but you have this cup of God's wrath that, that moves throughout the scripture. That's one thing I'm thinking. Uh, I, I guess if somebody would raise that question, I, I suspect what they're raising is the idea of, of this cosmic child abuse, uh, this, this mm. divine child abuse. Uh, so I, I hear people speaking of those things. Um, how does scripture identify it? That, 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 that the work of redemption is a triune plan. It is, it, is, it, is, it is the plan shared by the triune God to, to draw people back to himself. And, and, and there, if, if we want to speak about, about the, the pain of that plan, that, that plan goes throughout the triune God, Father, Son, and, and Spirit. But this is, this is the, the plan that they together uh, have, 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 have agreed upon in love. The, I guess the other thing I'm thinking is, is that I, to, to recognize the destructive nature of anger and, and the assault against, against our God and against other people, to, to see the consequences of that and, 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 and the divine work that was necessary uh, to draw us to himself, to, to see that vividly is, is wonderfully sobering. Um, and divine wrath is, is not the, the primary accent in scripture, but, but it, 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 as we know that we are in Christ, to, to then have the freedom to see that wrath has been poured out on another for us to be sobered by that is it it real it, it allows us to realize that sin is sin sin is 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 so utterly destructive. Uh, um, so I I'm, I'm saying too much, but but um, but there are there are benefits to my own soul to 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 stopping briefly understanding the wrath of God has been poured on another rather than myself. Yeah, I think it. Uh, if to to me, it, it, the wrath of God demonstrates the depth of the wickedness of sin. And I think if it was just like anything else in life, if, if it was of little consequence, it would have little consequence. Um, but it's not. Uh, sin is sin is heinous, and it requires ultimate judgment. So, um, you had mentioned that you really like the format of this book and, and having the 50 different days. Are you working on any, uh, any similar books on different topics? Uh, I, one of the, one of the pleasures of, of, of working in, in this field where, where it's trying to bring scripture to the daily matters of life. It, it's, it's never ending. The scripture is a never ending resource and treasure chest for such a thing. So 
So as a result, there are all these things that I'm working on. Uh, I, I've been working on the priestly motif in scripture, which doesn't sound too exciting. You know, talking about a bunch of bearded old men, but it's been to, to, it, for me, it's been a delight to see how our identity arguably is, is primarily we are God's royal priests mm-hmm. and, and communion and fellowship really is, is, is accented through, through, through that particular motif in scripture. So I'm working on those things and have other things. Uh, the, this particular format, yeah, that's a good question. I, I, I anticipate that, that um, given encouragement and opportunity, I will try to do this format for other matters as well. For example, the book on shame that I wrote was, was, was startling in, in, in how it, it, I, I read scripture differently because the things that, that, that I learned working on that material. But my concern in, in writing the book was, was just too big. And mm. my, my, my question for the publisher, should I do two books or three books? And I think it was probably too little, too late to ask at that point. But, but to, to, to love those who struggle with shame every day was something in a similar format where just a little, re, just a little snippet of, 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 of God's surprising mercy and, and love and affection for them to have, have something like that, that, that people could read consistently. So I, I do appreciate the format and, and I, I, I hope to be able to do it with other, with other personal struggles as well. Oh, great. Well, I really hope so as well. Uh, I can't recommend the book enough both to individuals to read it, whether you think you struggle with anger or not, uh, go out and get this book and read it. And also for counselors, uh, if you are working with anybody and, and anger identifies as one of the issues to be addressed, I'd highly encourage you to to get this book or have them get it as well. Uh, so at our last two minutes, I always reserve for a segment called Two Minute Favorites. Are you ready for that? <laughs> I, I uh, sure I, I can't imagine I can't say it's going to be scintillating but uh, yeah let's be fun though let's try it it's always it's always a, an interesting uh, it's always interesting to me to see different people's personalities come out in their favorites and uh, a number cool. of listeners have told me this is their favorite part which <laughs> I don't know if well, I, when I when I read somebody's book, the first thing I do is read their bios at the end, or their, you know, who they dedicate things to. So, so I guess this is somewhat similar. Yeah, it's a it's a fun way to get to know you. So, here we go. Two minutes in now. What is your favorite food? Anything other than hot oatmeal. Okay. What is your favorite word? Crammed. I would say crammed. Uh, I, I do find that I sort of like to slip it into things that I write occasionally. All right. Um, what is your uh, favorite gift you've ever received? My wife is an extraordinary gift giver. So this isn't going to, this isn't going to show her, show her abilities too much. I have a lamp. She gave me a lamp one time. I opened it. And I was so disappointed, a lamp, but, but the reason she got it for me is I have a lamp next to our bed. I turn the light out and I have to, I have to have to reach almost to the point of pain to sort of pull the thing. And now all I got to do is push a little button right next to me. So it's a, it's a great gift. All right. What's your favorite gift you've ever given? I am a wretched gift giver. I would say, I would say the best gifts I've given on the decade, 40, 50 and 60, I gave her surprise birthdays. So all right. Surprised. What's your favorite color? Red. What's your favorite sport? 
swimming. It's your favorite sports team. Any Philadelphia team that is, is doing better than 500. So they've won more than they've lost. All right. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? What is it called? Salted caramel. Is that the, is that the flavor? I think whatever. Salted caramelish. Yeah. I think All right. Favorite candy? I tend to go to Snickers if I have an opportunity to choose. All right. Favorite book of the Bible? It was Isaiah and it's moved to John. So, All right. Favorite awesome. quote? Excuse me? Favorite quote? Uh, Aurora Lee, Earth's crammed with heaven. And that's probably why I like the word crammed. Uh, every common bush, a fire with God. Hmm. All right. Well, our two minutes is up. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks. Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to know more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, please visit our website at biblicalcc.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at biblicalcc or find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash biblicalcounselingcoalition. Thanks again for listening.